Hello, people. It's happening to you again. This is Carspiracy, a podcast about cars brought to you by Danny, the genius behind Idiots versus Idiots. For instance, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't pioneer the four-story format, but it is something that I have iterated. Um, back in 2019, I started a podcast with my buddy called Fluffers for Hire. It's still out there. We took, I think it was four stories about news, and we talked about them, and it was interesting. And after that collapsed because he had to take an opportunity in another place, I started doing a, very briefly, I put out one episode on what is now the Idiots vs. Idiots stream, so um, it was called Burn This Rubber, and the only reason I called it that was I was working on a website, and... Uh, it was a marketplace website, and that was called Burn This Rubber, and so I own the domain name. That was the only reason I called it that. Um, but this is now Carspiracy. It's coming back as part of the wider idiots versus idiots wider universe. And so let's let it rip. So this is going to be an episode where I'm going to talk about Stellantis as a whole and what I think is going on with Stellantis and what I would do if I was the head of Stellantis. Now, for the uninitiated, um, Stellantis is the child uh, from the marriage of PSA and FCA, so it's Peugeot and uh, Fiat Chrysler emerged to become one company, and now they have, I believe, 12 brands in-house. Um, Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, Jeep, Lancia, Ram, Maserati, Peugeot, Citroën, Opel, Vauxhall, DS, and um, there's actually two more, but they're like the, you know, Fiat Professional and stuff, and a Bart, um, which, hey, bro, too many brands, too many brands. I think, uh, you know, and I actually wrote some of this before Stellantis even had a name, because I was doing this old podcast, which is now defunct, but it's effectively this podcast, but not the same, there's all audio. It was about cars, and... Um, I basically broke down exactly what I thought Chrysler, which is now Stellantis, should do. And the first thing I did think was they should actually bounce Chrysler. Now, I don't think that anymore. And what I meant was Chrysler doesn't sell anything anybody wants to buy. Right now, they have four models, three of which are a minivan. Literally the exact same minivan with three different names. I think they call it, one's the Hybrid, uh, the Pacifica Hybrid, the Pacifica, and then the Voyager, which again is just a Pacifica, but stripped down. So um, I thought it was stupid to continue this company, th- that brand, and I, I at that time, PSA and FCA's merger had not been approved by the various um, overlords and various governments that had to approve it. And in addition to that, um, they didn't have a name picked out, and I thought, I was, you know, and I am, a, like I said, a marketing and branding genius. I am an automotive genius, and at the time, it made so much sense to me that, and for this specific reason, was that in 1978, Chrysler Europe sold its entire operation to Peugeot. And uh, two factories that Peugeot currently has in Europe, uh, I think one's in France, one's in Spain, are the result of that purchase. So I felt that at the time it made sense to just make Chrysler the holdings company, the, the Volkswagen, if you will, that owns all of this stuff. And it made a lot of sense 
to me, and it still does, but now there's, it seems there's another, like, emerging thesis here, and I'm just gonna dive in on it. I'm gonna go down on it, like, I'm gonna go ham. The first couple of things, you know, I do want to talk about is, um, you know, the, the belief that there's, you know, this, this guy Tavares, not Tavares, of Tavares, the YouTube channel, but Carlos Tavares, um, is this cost cutter, and he's gonna come in and do all this cost cutting. Bro, you got so many brands. So, I think the mistake that Sergio Marconi, I don't even, Sergio Marconi, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, for some reason, when Chrysler's in trouble, it takes an Italian guy, Lee Iacocca, who's Italian, and um, Sergio Marconi, who was a Canadian Italian, uh, the other, you know, Lee Iacocca is an American Italian, Italian American, whatever. I don't care about hyphens, hyphens are dumb. Uh, so, whatever that is. He, you know, Lee Iacocca and this guy come in and they really turn around Chrysler. And he did something, I think he said like it was $50 or $40 that he said, we're going to improve the interior by $40 a vehicle, which doesn't sound like a lot, but there's a statistic, and these numbers are loose, but the basic, the essence of the uh, moral of the story is there. Um, they said something like the difference in price between a, a Porsche's interior and a Corvette's interior is something like $15, and he said, we're going to you know, spend quadruple that and really improve the interiors, and he did, and he did, and he brought a lot of Chryslers to Italy as um, lanchas, and I thought that was very interesting, and um, in turn, he did bring some uh, Italian brands to the U.S. He brought Fiat here, he brought Alfa Romeo. These companies had left the U.S. They had been gone for decades. I think of the grand scheme of things, um, it makes sense to keep Alpha in the United States because it's here, and it makes sense. Like uh, Carlos Tavares has said, he's not going to do it with any brands. Chrysler's going to stay, Dodge is going to stay, and it makes sense that you know they are saying that Peugeot will not turn return to the U.S. So I do see a future that makes sense where they, um, I think they should rebrand Chrysler. Not rebrand. I should. Th- I think they should rewrap Chrysler with with the matching style logo because Peugeot has this new logo and I think that Chrysler should I because I hate the wings I hate Chrysler's wings Chrysler's wings make me really sad and one thing that I had in my original show my original episode about this um on my now defunct podcast you know uh I, I think Sergio at least it would appear to the layman and again the reason I do this podcast is because I'm both a lifelong automotive enthusiast but also a brilliant executive businessman. So I can come from a place of talking about things not strictly from the enthusiast perspective, which is silly sometimes, doesn't understand the business aspect of it, but I understand both the business and the enthusiast perspective. And also I understand that, you know, I think I'm in a unique position as a car guy that my dad isn't a car guy, a dad who that I know and you know respect and love dearly. And uh, he's not a car guy. He's the opposite of a car guy. He's a cars are utilities guy. And I can understand how the business of building cars is about, is about getting to those people who are like, meh, cars are just a thing. That I, and some people, for some people, it's a status symbol. I think Tesla's. I think Tesla's are a status symbol for people, and I hate people who are status symbol car owners, and it's fine. If you want to own a car as a status symbol, this is America, God bless. But if that's who you are, but then confusing yourself for an enthusiast, 
because you're like, oh, dude, I love Lexus or Mercedes or whatever. You have the rappers. Some rappers are car people, but a lot of rappers, and that's their business, right? That's the business they're in is being show-offy. God bless. Um, but if that's who you are and you think that because you like showing off with your car, that makes you a car person, you stupid. Am I knocking off how Chris D'Elia talks? Yes. Did I think he was going to bring his podcast back? No. Did he? Yes. Anyways, um, the first thing I think that, you know, and listen, I'm, I'm the chiropractor. I'm going to come in. I'm going to align your spine. I'm going to heal Stellantis. Um, and I think the first thing that Tavares needs to do, and I'm going to keep calling him Tavares, he needs to sit down and go, okay, we have this many brands, and it's just too many, but... There's a logic here, and the logic I'm going to say is local brands, global models. I think there's only one global brand in the entire portfolio, and that's Jeep. I think there's some adjustments that can be made to Jeep that I think I see the direction they're going with it now, and it's the wrong direction. Um, so I'll start off, I'll kick it off by talking about Jeep. Here's what I think needs to happen with Jeep. Um, I think they need to replace the Renegade model name with when they refresh the Renegade with a Patriot or something like that. And the reason I believe that is, um, I think the Renegade should go back to being a trim, but like the Raptor. Like, this is going to be the super off-road trim. And I think they should either, this is, you know, this is one of the few times in this podcast's long life will I talk about how, I don't know that I don't have the answer because I usually have the answer to everything because, again, I'm a genius. They either need to integrate RAM into Jeep because when uh, Fiat acquired a part of Chrysler and eventually the entirety and they became one company, what ended up happening was they split up RAM into its own business and I happened to have been working for a Dodge dealer at that time. They, The logic was Dodge and Ram becoming two separate businesses was kind of to give Dodge its own identity, but at the same time, what's to hedge against the future in which they stop making Dodges and they don't want to not have the trucks, right? They wanted to make sure that they could have Chryslers and they wanted to have trucks. And I I thought that was dumb because nobody really, really wants a stinking uh, Chrysler. Like, their Chrysler simply doesn't have the attention of the marketplace other than rental car companies the same way Dodge does. So... I think the, the, the approach that Sergio had was we're going to have so many different uh, brands and there's just going to be a handful of models, but collectively we build into one line. And I think that's maybe not the way to go. I think less brands, full lineups. And like I said, I think that Jeep is really the only full-size or full global brand. No, the thing that I think Jeep is doing wrong right now is, is they're la- launching the Wagoneer. They're calling the Grand Wagoneer. It's like a trim now. It's not a size thing. It's a trim, and they're going to probably come out with a Grand Wagoneer L. And it hurts my brain. It hurts my brain, okay? Because they have the Overland trim, which is supposed to be like their Denali luxury trim, which I think doesn't make sense. And I th- a little later in the podcast, I'm going to talk about why they should move that trim over to Dodge. But... I think they should, whether it's, they should come up with something that's going to be their new, 
you know, really classy, high-end trim level. So, for instance, at one point in time, Jeep was owned by Willis, as I mentioned, and it was also owned by Kaiser. So if they bring back a Kaiser, you know, maybe that, maybe that Wagoneer, the Kaiser, something like that, right? And I think that they can build a exclusive luxury trim level that way. And I think going the direction they're going now, which is calling it the Grand Wagoneer, silly. Don't do that. Stop, please. Uh, it makes sense what they're doing with the bringing it at the, the mild hybrid, right? The 6.4 with the mild hybrid and the the the, the five seven with the mild hybrid and the 6.4. I love that. Um, I think it's silly that they're basically effectively making Wagoneer its own thing. Basically what they're doing is they're turning Jeep into Land Rover. Now go over to a Land Rover dealership and look at the different models they have and explain to me how it even makes sense. It doesn't. Listen, People are buying Land Rovers left and right. You buy a Discovery, it's its own thing. Then there's a Discovery Sport, but then there's a Range Rover uh, Velar, and they're basically the same size, and I don't don't get the distinction. People are buying them. That's wonderful. But I think it's too complicated. So I understand where they're trying to go, and, and here's what I will say. Jeep has the capacity and at this point they're selling this new wagoneer is going to be six figures when it tops out right uh, 111,000 in the u.s i think this is stellantis's only global brand and i think in the u.s every company that has owned chrysler well not every but a lot of companies that have owned chrysler have tried to make chrysler into this premium brand and people aren't buying that chrysler's a premium brand they might think it's slightly nicer than a dodge but I really do think that they can create a situation where Chryslers are going to re- be rebadged at Peugeot's and Dodges are going to have more real drive sporting orientations. And also, like I said, you know, when it comes to Jeep, you know, there's there should be this GMC type thing where they're building pickups because people are paying big money for Dodge Ram luxury models. People are paying huge money for Jeeps. This is the luxury brand from Stellantis in the U.S. We are currently in the midst of an SUV craze. We are currently in the midst of a pickup truck craze. People can't get enough of these types of vehicles. It makes no sense to me to try and make Chrysler into something that no one has succeeded at making, the marketplace refuses to accept, when at the same time, the marketplace is happy to shell out what it costs to buy a house in Brownsville, Texas for a Grand Wagoneer. People will buy these things. Um, and I think they should have really adjusted that nomenclature to be Wagoneer's short wheelbase, Grand Wagoneer's long wheelbase. And I don't think they should have made Wagoneer into an offshoot brand. And here's why. I understand that their thesis going into it was, listen, it's going to be hard to sell a six-figure uh, Wagoneer on the same show floor as these inexpensive Jeeps. And my thought process there is, guess what? Mercedes sells a small vehicle. They sell the CLA in the United States. And they sell the... Basically, they sell a bunch of small models. And uh, they, smell, they sell small SUVs, small crossovers. And so does BMW. They sell the X1 and the X3. And these are smaller crossovers. And people are buying it because they want these small, they want, they're buying into the brand. So I think the solution isn't 
splitting Wagoneer into a sub-brand, I think it is taking the entire brand up market and making it more of a luxury product. And then when you really establish Jeep as a luxury product with their Wagoneers, and I do think that, you know, the, the, the new Grand Cherokee L, and I've said this in an episode before, and it looks like Stellantis is going to continue to use the name if that's what they choose to do. God bless. Go forward with that. I, I'm not offended by that. Um, I'm the other kind of Indian, so maybe I'm the wrong kind of person to ask, but I don't really care about social justice. I care about cars. So um, I, I think that the existing Grand Cherokee L should just be the Grand Cherokee and that the Cherokee should be a smaller, two-row, sportier thing. And that, to me, makes a lot of sense. And the existing Cherokee should be Liberty or Patriot. They should just pull. They have a handful of names from their history that they can pull from, and I think they should do that. And I think they should bring back some of those slant-back style from the original Grand Wagoneer, and those should be called sport models, right? And I definitely think the existing... um, When they brought the existing Gladiator back, I think that was a huge mistake because that's a scrambler, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, I think they re-engineer or ba- I mean badge engineer Rams as scramblers or something. Or the other thought process, which I uh, kind of ADD'd over, which is there's two paths here. Either they reintegrate Dodge, ba- Dodge and uh, Ram back into one business because they're going to keep both of them. That makes a lot of sense to me because they're already delivered at the same place. And it's going to be hard for my idea, which is take Ram and integrate it into Jeep because you already have a whatever um, higher-end brand there and people are paying stickers on these Rams to get expensive. And then you go and you revive maybe the Dakota name on the larger, yes, the you know quarter ton and series up trucks, even though that doesn't make sense and that's fine and I have a solution to that. But um, I, I do think that there is room to bring large full-size pickup trucks to a luxury brand called Jeep. And on a global scale, I don't think it makes sense to have Ram in other countries because they don't have full lineups in other countries, right? They just have a model or two models here, whereas they could just be branded as Jeeps and they'll sell, I think, better on a global marketplace. Say what you will for the U.S.'s uh, you know, global intervention on, the, on a military level. It made Jeep a household name. That's good for Stellantis. And by the way, the only reason anyone ever purchased Chrysler was because of Jeep. That's why Fiat, that's why Sergio wanted them. It's why Stellantis wanted them. Uh, the majority of the profits for FCA were Jeep and, and Ram. So there is already synergy there. So they either need to badge engineer Rams or they need to, um, as I said, uh, you know, integrate the two brands together. I don't. I understand from a distribution standpoint how there aren't a lot of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram dealers where they're all one in one house. So it makes sense that that would be, you know, harder to do. But I think that there is enough. There's enough of a situation with them where that's the number of dealers that aren't all four or five. They're so small that you could figure something out for them. Now, now let me talk about what I think they need to do with Dodge. I think I don't think Fiat needs to exist in the U.S. I don't think it's proven itself as a success in the U.S. And so I'm killing off Fiat in the U.S. And I'm rebadging those models as Dodges because they only make the 500L and 500X. They, um, and the 500X is actually cool looking and it could be a caliber or something else. 
And um, I do think that as they take Jeep up market, they should distribute some of those vehicles um, and they should badge engineer them and heavily redesign them so they're not Jeeps as Chryslers and as Dodges so that they are serving the needs of the lower end customer, right? But they're taking Jeep and taking it up market and they're going to badge engineer. You know, they're going to move some vehicles here, some vehicles to Chrysler, some vehicles to Dodge, and that's fine. Um, and I think they need to bring back that Crosshair Grill because I really like that Crosshair Grill. And I'm going to show the Crosshair Crosshair Grill badge. That shield badge, I think they only used it for a few years. I don't like the slashes. Now, I think they keep the slashes. I think they use a single slash for the RT, a double slash for the SRT, and anything that's faster than that, three slashes. Um, <clears throat> and like I said, I think they bring over the Overland brand, the Overland trim level from Jeep, and here's why. AMC was really the first, the AMC Eagle was really the first crossovery type vehicle that existed in the United States. And I think they could resurrect that with either the Ram name or sorry, the Magnum name or something like that. I don't know. Um, I'm not offended by calling it the Eagle either because it's so flippin' American. And I think that they can build a legitimate competitor to Subaru because we are now in a situation where Chevrolet and Ford no longer make sedans. And I don't think that there's a lot of um, brilliance to bringing sedans to Dodge that aren't rear-wheel drive and have stupid amounts of horsepower. At the same time, I do think they're going to bring some sedans to the U.S., the Peugeots, as Chryslers, and I think some of those, some of those, could be branded as Dodges and be built into these overlanding-type models because that is a you know popular hashtag now on Instagram and other social medias. And I think at that juncture, they should also make a shorter... Pacifica, that is basically a minivan. It's you know a caravan overland, but I think. But in my head, I'm seeing a Mazda MPV, but a modern one, boxy like a Ford Flex. And I think they maybe even bring back the caravan as that boxy Ford Flex with the with the sliding doors still. And the reason I think that they do that is um, I think that there's still a market for it. I think that when people go look at a suburban and realize it's a hundred thousand dollars, right? They're gonna wanna. They're gonna want a non-minivan alternative to hauling their six kids or their four kids and their two, their, you know, kids' friends. And so I think if they build something like that but then make the kind of overland, the overland edition, it's going to be rugged and off-road. And I think they do the same thing. Like I said, they start building a, a Subaru competing, a competitor-type model, an Outback-type model, and then they make a pickup truck off of that. Right, And that's why I thought if they take Ram and integrate it into Jeep, I could see that seven-slot grill being really hot on, G on, on, on trucks. And I could see a lot of people paying extra money for that. They can make the Dakota brand, you know, they can bring that back and start badge, badging the Rams as that. Um, I think, but I don't know if there's, they're gonna, I think they're going to lose some brand equity, right? Because I think that big Ram emblem means something now. And so it, either way, it could go either way. Um, or maybe, you know, they, they do, they just badge engineer them as scramblers or Jeeps or something else and they don't do the integration like I'm talking about. But I do think that um, a, a off-roady wagon, off-roady, maybe a sedan and an off-roady, like a, basically 
Subaru Legacy, Subaru Outback, and Subaru Baja. And I think they're going to sell like hotcakes. I think they can undercut Subaru, I, and I think they can sell a lot of them. And, uh, you know, the, the Ford is doing it. Honda's doing it. I think that they, and, the, and Ram already sells a Ridgeline type vehicle in, in North America and Brazil. I think that that's going to serve them very well in the U.S. And the last thing, I think they can figure out a way, because they've already figured out how to sell 800 horsepower Dodge Challenger Demons. I think they can figure out how to retrofit a Viper. With a, it's it's going to take some, some doing. Not saying it won't. And I think it's a couple-year project. Maybe they go mid-engine. But I think that they can because they have the resources within Stellantis. And there was an interesting thing that came out actually about this, which was that SRT got killed off. What happened is SRT as a, as a brand or as an office was split up and they were integrated into the business, but the trim level is still going to exist. So just chill out, right? Um, and the other thing that they need to focus on, obviously, and which I, if I was there, I would focus on, is customer satisfaction. Now, I know a gal who works for a large dealer group in Minnesota and books service. And I asked her, because I was helping my dad pick out a car, I was like, hey, you know, like, well, what are the cars that are worse for service? Like, what are they, not just they come in for service a lot, but people are angry with them. She goes, without hesitation, Jeeps. So we have a situation where people are paying inordinate amounts of money for, in in the case of the Grand Cherokee, a 10-year-old, like they've been refreshed. and re It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Marge finds that Chanel, pink Chanel dress, and she just keeps hacking it into other outfits. They're going to have to make an investment into new art. And that's, listen, but that is what the Wagoneer and the new Grand Cherokee L are. Um, but the next thing is really focusing on how do we build things that last long? And it's not impossible because at one point in time, the Japanese were schooling everybody at it, right? And it wasn't just Honda or Toyota, but people knew if they go buy a Mitsubishi, which you shouldn't do today. Don't do that. Or a Nissan. Again, today they're coming along. And by the way, I'm going to do another one of these episodes somewhere around 10 or 6 or something like that where I'm going to talk about the Renault Alliance with Nissan and Mitsubishi and how the, those companies should be split up. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, they should kind of pick, and like I said, they should have local brands and global models, and I think they should align those local brands with the exception of Jeep, where they kind of do similar branding. So the logos have the same shape. Maybe they have different, the content of the logo is different, but they have the same shape. So the, you can hot swap badges, which is why globally Kia's had this round old, this, this oval badge is because at one point in time they were badge engineering uh, the Ford Festiva and it just became easier for them to put Kia, the Kia badge, an oval badge on it, all of their cars and sell them around the, you know, where they were selling them rather than just make one you know, like just the badge engineered Ford Festiva. So, which is why now they're they're coming out with a different logo. But so Alpha, by the way, oops, um, Stelvio, what are you doing, Julietta or Julia? What is going on here? Now, I'm gonna say something. It's radical. It's a radical concept. 
Stop doing this. This is the first time and the only time in automotive history someone's going to say, you need to just do an alphanumeric nomenclature, please. <clears throat> Between Fiat and Chrysler, uh, they have the numbers, uh, I think, 200, 300, and 500. I think they should go 1 to 9, and then other numbers in between, 50s. And I think that they should just have alphanumeric nomenclature, at least in North America, and definitely maybe in China. Because these these names, I can't do it. I'm not buying... And let me tell you something about these two vehicles that they, that they brought the brand back with. They are an inspiring garbage. I forget the fact that they're probably unreliable. They are uninspiring garbage. They look like overstyled Hyundais. Don't do this to me. You're Italian. It should feel special. Maseratis look and feel special. Okay? Maserati's also part of Stellantis. I have so many questions. What are you? Why do you exist? It makes sense that in the con- if we use Volkswagen as a template, Alfa Romeo is Audi and then Maserati is Bentley. That makes sense. But that's not what they're going for. And I just go for something. And I like the idea of Maserati having brand names and not an alphanumeric nomenclature. But I think when it comes to Alfa Romeo, I can't know. I'm not Juliet. Julieta. I can't stop this. Nonsense. I don't know how trademarks work because I'm not a trademark attorney. My specialty is immigration law. Um... I never went to law school, but I or medical school for that matter, but I am a practicing podiatrist, so what are you going to do? Um, but I, like I said, I think between all these different uh, existing brands, I'm assuming the trademark, they can cross over. And I built something that feels special to me. I think there's a problem when Alfa Romeo is a premium Italian brand, European, and Mazda is a consumer brand, mainstream consumer brand from Japan, and the Mazda feels more special to me when I look at it. No, it's not. I know that it is not a special vehicle. It is run-of-the-mill. Feels special. Feels more special when I look at it than an Alfa Romeo. And that's a problem. Mazda is not an F1. Alfa is. They have two or three models, and they don't, inspire me to greatness so and in Maserati I think the only thing I can say is just stop being terrible the the, the, the Stellantis brands the general consensus is build build reliable transportation for people and after you build reliable transportation literally do everything I said now if you're an executive at Chrysler and you go hey this guy has it all figured out I'm available to consult I usually charge $300 an hour. For Stellantis, we'll cut a deal. $150 an hour. Plus, plum crazy purple, wide body, Hellcat Challenger, red eye, with the terracotta interior. We got a deal. It's no problem. I'm just saying that uh, you need me. So in, in conclusion, okay, this is the longest episode of Carspiracy ever. In conclusion, me... Car genius. Stellantis needs car genius. So give me give me a ring, shoot me an email, comment on this video. I'm sure Stellantis has 
a corporate social media person who can comment on this video. Okay, and I think you should do that. And I think I've covered everything that I meant to cover. Anyways, this was Carspiracy. My name is Danny. Uh, make sure to watch the most recent episode. I think it's going to be episode 20 of Idiots vs. Idiots. We're going to talk about business and stuff. And again, I'm going to bring my genius insights to that as well. Bye now.